as you know, we've been uh, talking about wisdom this month, the, the pillar of wisdom. First, we talked about generosity, Donna, and then ethical behavior, Sila, and now we're talking about wisdom, which is Panya and also um, Bhavana. Is that right, Suze? Thank you. Looks like Sean and Bruce got ejected. I'll let them in before I begin. Okay, so here's what um, I've been thinking about wisdom to close the month. Every year, my daughter and I pull up a few favorite holiday shows to watch together. And this year was no different. And one of the shows we watched was Love Actually. Afterward, I found myself humming one of its theme songs. Love is all around us, and so the feeling grows. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. It's a pretty silly song. But when I started thinking about this talk, I thought, wisdom is all around us. If we're on this Buddhist path, there is so much wisdom floating all around us. And right away, the idea of Sangha came to mind. The wisdom of the Sangha. And I wanted to talk about that. I have many examples of Sangha wisdom and how it works. But what came to me at that moment was remembering a sharing out by one of our Sunday Sangha members in the big group after a breakout session. I think it was sometime this year. And I emailed this person and he said it was okay to share it with you today. He had shared a phrase. He just started with, just like me. And he, then he told how he had heard another Sangha member share that phrase after another discussion at another set. He described how that phrase had resonated with him in the way the person had shared about it. And when he went to his first retreat soon after, that phrase had helped him learn some wisdom during his first retreat experience. The fact is that when I heard him share, just like me, I remember just like me, all beings want to be happy. All beings want to be free of suffering. And his sharing stayed with me. I thought, this is true. I know it's true. But I don't really know it is true. I often compare myself to others, and I come up with how different we are, for better or for worse. But I've been practicing with this truth for a while now, trying it out to see for myself. Is it wise? Is it helpful? Is it onward leading to know that you are just like me? I think so, and that's I'm in the process of learning that. The important point to make is that in order for Sangha wisdom to work, we have to realize that we have wisdom within us and to trust it and to realize that there is a wise, true self inside that is worth checking in with and embodying. When we embody that, even for a moment, if anybody else is around us, to sense it in any way, that is the great offering. That is how we become 
Kalyanamita, spiritual friends for each other. Usually I spend a good chunk of time researching before I do a talk. I listen to talks on Dharma Seed, I read articles, and I look up the topic in books from some of my favorite teachers. But this month, I thought, I don't need that. There's so much wisdom right here among us and in me. We are Kalayanamita, spiritual friends, and we learn from one another. The important point is to make to make is that in order for Sangha wisdom to work, we have to realize that we have wisdom within us to trust it. Suze, in her talk last week, said that she had borrowed from both Arv's and Lindell's talks in preparing for her talk, and I think I will be doing the same thing this morning. I'm thinking that I am drawn to answering the question Arv posed beginning of the month, what helps me learn from my life experience? And also the question that Lindell posed, what wisdom practices are you drawn to cultivate? So one of the most important practices for me is trust emergence. This practice comes from Insight Dialogue, which was developed by the Insight Meditation teacher, Gregory Kramer. I first began practicing with it about 15 years ago. Trust emergence is one of six steps in the Insight Dialogue practice, but for me, it works beyond Insight Dialogue by reminding me to trust my inner wisdom. We need to cultivate paying attention to the appearance of wisdom, and we need to be mindful on and off the cushion with an attitude which is open to listening and to receiving. Wisdom doesn't come only from experts. Sometimes an experience or an idea will catch my attention, and I don't know why. And I think, oh, that's probably not important. It's not in bold print. No expert is saying, watch this, remember this. But it piques my curiosity. It feels like my interest just emerged out of nowhere for no reason. But I think this is part of trusting emergence. We are practicing insight meditation, which has a strong connection to intuition. And intuition doesn't follow the same rules as left brain thinking. It's holistic, nonlinear, non-sequential. Wisdom is not solely based on intuition, but we need to open to this avenue of knowing. And here's an example that I had. I've heard and read the Karaniya Metta Sutta, which is the Buddha's words on loving kindness, many times. It's the one that begins, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness. It it begins by listing a lot of wholesome qualities that would lead one to being kind and loving. Qualities like upright, straightforward, gentle in speech, humble, contented, not proud or demanding. Then it describes how such a person would express wishes of goodwill for all living beings. The conclusion goes like this. By not holding to fixed views, 
the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Not holding to fixed views. That is not just a quality leading to loving kindness, according to this talk of the Buddhas. This is the way to enlightenment, not being born into this world again. That stood out for me. It seemed to me that the quality of not holding to fixed views was given a lot of emphasis coming where it did in the Sutta. And I was curious why it was so important and was a part of the Buddha's words on loving kindness. Every time I hear or read the Sutta, I notice these words and I ask myself, why is not holding to fixed views so critical? I think some of my opinions are of very wholesome quality. But as the recent years have begun to unfold with all the polarization, the black and white thinking, I watched my fixed views becoming more and more threatened and internally a bit more threatening themselves to those with opposing views. The harm and the actual devastation that clinging to views causes is so apparent to me now. I ask myself, how do I bless and wish goodwill to those whose views are perpetrating this devastation? Are they really just like me? I believe it's necessary to not hold on to fixed views. And I'm cultivating this wisdom, cultivating the letting go, but it is hard. The second point I'd like to make about wisdom is that we need to open to the idea that wisdom comes in many forms. It can be verbal as in a word or phrase, like I shared this morning already, just like me, or not holding to fixed views. It can be in the form of a poem. Poems give us a lot of opportunities to receive wisdom, I think. I remember when I first started attending Sims weekly evening sits and our teacher Rodney regularly read poems with his talks and they were an important part of his talks for me. I still remember many of the poems and some of the phrases that I didn't quite understand, but which stayed with me over the years. I would meet up with them again, sometimes understanding them better, sometimes not, but still feeling that they could reveal more to me. One of these poems, The Layers by Stanley Kunitz, I'm going to refer to later in this talk because it was one Rodney introduced me to a number of years ago and it popped up as I was putting this talk together. This month, Arv shared the poem by Freddie Macker in which there was a line, everything is food, every last thing. That has also been reverberating in my mind as I prepare this talk. My mother loved to sing, and from time to time, she would wake up in the morning singing a song. She'd think, where did that come from? Then she would reflect on the lyrics and realize that the words were a message, helping her understand a situation better or suggesting a wise way of responding to it. Time after time, we marveled at how those lyrics would work for her. You too might have some poem, verses, some chants, phrases, lyrics, 
suttas or other words that resonate with your heart and serve to give you wise guidance and keep you going forward on the path. Wisdom has um, nonverbal forms too. Before I took the introduction to meditation class, I was heading toward Buddhism, but I wasn't there yet. I wanted to buy a Buddha for my garden, and I was drawn to the Buddha with his hand touching the earth. That mudra has remained active for me. I've read different interpretations of its meaning, but there's something about the image more than the words that conveys its wisdom. It's many-faceted and more powerful for me without the interpretations. And what about our ears? They may also be a source of wisdom for us. What about listening to the bell, to sound in nature, or to silence? Or what about the sense of touch? I remember recently the touch of my hand on the shoulder of the woman selling real change as I leaned closer to give her a gift and wish her a happy holiday. I knew her name, but I'd never touched her, and it was different. A body sense can also convey wisdom. I've discovered this from practicing Qigong. I feel that this body practice has helped me settle and focus my mind. It supported my meditation a great deal. It's very integrative, helping to integrate mind, heart, and body. It helps me discern when I'm embodied and when I'm disembodied. In the other talks this month, Arv, Lyndall, and Suze have focused on the importance of direct experience in achieving wisdom, in cultivating wisdom. Our Lyndall said it was like really knowing, and Arv said it was a felt embodied sense of knowing needed to cultivate wisdom. The, the Buddha said that the body is the first foundation of mindfulness, and I found that cultivating this foundation is essential to deepening understanding of the truth and seeing the way things really are. Sometimes it's hard to explain wisdom. A truth that I've heard is that awakening is beyond words and concepts. Ultimately, we just have to know it in our being. For me, sensing that there is something else beyond this worldly world, even if I don't know exactly what it is, is okay. I get intimations. And I think maybe this is what Rodney calls the formless. So different ways to get close to wisdom and cultivate it. We can be open to different ways. Lastly, I would like to refer back to what Sue said in her talk last week, that this wisdom practice is ongoing. It helps me to trust that it is an ever-deepening process. Once is usually not enough. One of our sanghas shared uh, out this month, and I don't know who it was. I just wrote it in my notes, and I hope it's all right since that person shared it with, with the big group to repeat it. But um, 
I thought it was important to share in this talk. Um, this person said, every time I fail, I learn something. And it makes it easier to choose differently the next time. I thought myself, that's true for me. Also for me, it often takes many next times to get that choosing differently well established. That sharing made me think of the poem I've read called Earthworms by Lynn Unger. She said, everything they encounter, the earthworms, everything the earthworms encounter goes through them, emerging subtly different. To every grain that enters, welcome. To every parting mote, be blessed. It really helps to have a forgiving and loving attitude toward ourselves as we cultivate. We are learners still learning life's lessons. But that is what is so wonderful about Sangha. We are surrounded by people learning. The Buddha was just like us, making mistakes, taking wrong turns, but persevering. He was really a mess just before he became enlightened. When he was an ascetic, he almost died of starvation. You may have seen images. They're very hard to look at. But what saved him? Trust in his, in his inner wisdom. A memory emerged and caught his attention. He must have recognized it held the wisdom that he needed. His memory was from when he was about nine years old and had gone to sit under a rose apple tree, secluding himself from the village's spring planting festivities that his father was leading. He remembered the felt sense of the peaceful seclusion, which was very pleasant. It contrasted with his current very painful and stressful condition. That is how he discovered the wisdom of the middle way. And soon after, he spent the night under the Bodhi tree and became enlightened. The other point about the way the Buddha learned to let go. Whoops, wrong side. Well, <laughs> I'll just, I'll put it together. The other point about the way the Buddha learned to let go of clinging or suffering and gain wisdom was to experience the suffering in awareness, but without identifying with it so that he could step back and see the drawbacks that accompanied the unskillful and unwholesome behavior. And I want to say that another um, Sangha member talked about the ability to step back being really an important um, quality for cultivating wisdom. So it's reassuring to know that the Buddha didn't start out wise and all-knowing. I love the Sutta where he says something like, I'm paraphrasing, he says, before I was Buddha, a Buddha, when I was just an unenlightened run-of-the-mill being like you, my heart did not leap up at the thought of giving up sensual pleasures. But he paid attention and saw the drawbacks of clinging to sensual pleasures. And when he saw the drawbacks, he saw that the wisdom in giving them up and that enabled him to let go of them. Even for the Buddha, wisdom was an ongoing process. And this brings me to my conclusion and the poem uh, that Rodney read so many years ago called The Layers. The puzzling phrase that stuck with me 
in this poem was live in the layers, not on the litter. The poet himself was puzzled by this phrase, and I'm going to read this last section of the poem by Stanley Kunitz. He said, In my darkest night, when the moon was covered and I roamed through wreckage, a nimbus-clouded voice directed me, Live in the layers, not on the litter. Though I lack the art to decipher it, no doubt the next chapter in my book of transformations is already written. I am not done with my changes. Our journey is ongoing with many layers to penetrate through. We're not done with our changes but we're so lucky to have the wisdom within us and the wisdom of each other to help light the way. So I'll take a minute to just sit in stillness. So, this is a time when I'm going to put you in breakout groups, and I hope you'll stay to participate. So, um, welcome back from your from your uh, breakout groups, and um, this is a time when people can share out with the larger group. Bruce and Sean, go ahead and unmute yourself. Okay. Oops. I'm unmuted. Yes. There was a lot of wisdom in our group. I can't repeat it all, but just every single person shared so much wisdom. And there were six of us. And I went, wow, there's six of us. And we all had time. It just was so beautiful how it all worked out. And um, I learned so much from everybody. It was a really nice experience and perfect, perfect experience for the last day of the year. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. And that we all get to be together on this day. Mm -hmm. Because I don't like the holidays. (laughs) The holidays and I are not very good friends and this is the best way to spend the holidays and it worked out this whole time like christmas we got to be with sims on christmas day and get to be with sims tomorrow on new year's day and for me there's nothing better than Mm -hmm. to be with sangha especially in these key days that might be kind of rough yeah yeah thank you for sharing that yeah. Thank you so much. And Mark, would you like to unmute? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to express my appreciation to you, Lauren, for uh, what you were saying about letting go of views. And certainly that resonated with 
me and we spoke about it during our group is um, I just felt like over the last five years, it's been a slow process, but just rethinking a lot of my opinions and letting go of this constant force I felt to create opinions and to support my opinions and to have the perfect opinion. And it was just <laughs> exhausting. And just to sort of sit with whatever's going on in the world and not jumping to conclusions and just kind of holding my views a lot more lightly than I used to is, is very freeing, I find. And uh, so I appreciated you uh, stating that during your talk. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for emphasizing, bringing emphasis to it and hearing it again. (laughs) You know, I remember when I first heard it from Rodney when I was just starting out and he said, no opinion is better than any other opinion. I just could not hold that. How could that possibly be? (laughs) But slowly but surely, it's starting to make a bit more sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Judith, go ahead. I was in the same wise group as Sean and Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) One thing we, we talked a lot about was listening to um, to the messages that come from it's like it feels like it's coming from the universe or something like that, and distinguishing you know when between when what's coming to you really is wise and yeah. it really isn't and and what what this is is this because um it seems it feels like it's coming from outside somehow and yet. It's and yet it probably really isn't. It's really coming from a higher, a higher level of consciousness that we don't always recognize as ours. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make mm-hmm. any sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's outside and inside. It's outside and inside, and sometimes it's just what life is bringing us. Yeah. Which is maybe not what we planned on and not what we thought we wanted and yet turns out to be the very best thing ever that could have happened to us, you know, and learning to pay attention to that and, oh, okay, this is, this is what's happening. This isn't maybe what I thought I wanted, but this is what's happening. And, and now I'm seeing the wisdom of it. And, you know, and it, and that seems to be maybe, I don't know, just life's wisdom wisdom of what is yeah 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 thank you judith we have more time if any of you beacons of light want to share we would appreciate it a lot oh suze so you know we uh, one of the there is also a lot of wisdom in my group, and one of the things is you know it's it can be sporadic. It can come and go, and what makes it come is when we're really open to it. You know that um, uh, somebody shared about seeing something that was just so beautiful, and there are times when even though our eyes are open, they're kind of closed that we're not really seeing. And then there's times when 
we bring a, an openness, a trust. I don't know what all the words are that we bring that really open our eyes to what's coming in, maybe opening our hearts, our minds. I don't know. You know, there's there are things that keep us from that. And then there are times when we're just we're just open and receiving. And um, uh, I think it's really beautiful to notice both of them. Because there are times when I'm just not I'm not open to it. Either I'm stuck in my opinions, this is you know, or my aversion, <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever. Wherever I'm stuck somewhere. Anyway, I liked that there was a kind of kindness to ourselves from knowing that we're not always open to receiving what's there. Um, it's yeah. what you said in your talk about making mistakes, failing not being open and then and then next moment we maybe we are so thank mm -hmm. you yeah and thank you to that person who shared it whoever it was <laughs> a few weeks ago about that yeah yeah certainly we're not always always there but we're not perfect we're still learners learning life's lessons that that's a, a forgiveness um, a type of meta forgiveness meta that really has helped me a lot. I'm a learner, still learning life's lessons. And if I can't forgive myself now, may I forgive myself in the future. It's very, very uh, loving. <laughs> so does anyone else want to say anything? Okay, then I'll move on to um, our closing, and I want to...